0: Greetings and salutations to our glorious fine podcast audience. Mm. Glorious! Now we're adding more assumptions. We're adding all here. kinds of adjectives this week. Yep. There you go, glorious! I believe, I, and again, I believe in our audience. I love. I do audience. too. I they're, do
1: not. Great audience. So we're glad you're here. Nathan is skeptical about our audience. Um, just a little bit. I don't even know anybody's out there. So.
2: <laughs> Gotta come tell me. You gotta come little, tell me, you prove little, it to you, me. You seem a little
1: miffed there today. I'm not just saying, I, just, you
2: I don't believe Would somebody please
1: tell Nathan they listen?
2: Yeah, just come tell me. Personally, I won't believe it till I hear it. Because that's how I do all my research. Unless I personally observed it, I don't believe it. That's how I do my life.
1: Okay. Well, all right. That's right. Thanks I've heard me. people just say that's
0: what they do. They, they They're always liars. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> that also is how I do my life. All right. So... Last week, uh, we touched on a hot-button topic. This week, we have, I'd say, pretty if not hot, pretty warm topic that we're going to tackle. Heat it up. That's right. So here we go. Question straight from a listener. When Jesus turned over the tables in the temple, boom, wasn't he involved in a violent protest? Mm. I don't think he was loving people very much at that moment. So, it was that part of the question, or yes. was that what you said? That's exactly oh, okay. what <laughs> oh, I that's sure. that was. was Jason's I commentary. Jason's having no, commentary no, no, no. on the
2: question. Now, that's hot. That's a hot take. <laughs> no,
0: that's what they said. They said, I don't think Jesus was loving those people very much at that moment. So, gotcha. I would imagine this is coming off of the heels of the debate in our culture about a violent protest that we just saw recently, sure. about a month ago. So, all right, let's get into that. Was Jesus being violent when he turned the. T- so, do we need to fill in people that don't know this story? Sure. You think maybe
2: fill them in, Jason. So
0: So Jesus uh, comes into the temple at some point, and uh, I just read that read this account this morning from the book of John. Me too. Yeah, cool. We're on I the just same track. I read it
2: We're
1: in the, the book that. of Matthew.
0: Oh, good for oh, you. There you go. So anyway, Jesus.
1: It is <clears> one of the accounts that's in all four. Mm-hmm.
0: You are correct. Yes. So you can find it Which in all of rare. them. Which is rare.
1: It's yeah, rare that that's you, true. You know, it's rare.
0: So Jesus uh, comes into the temple. He finds what was going on in the court outside of the temple, which was people trying to profit off of the activity going on in the temple. They were selling uh, items for sacrifice and what we know from history, most likely taking advantage of people in a moment where you know there was a need there and they were profiting off of religious activity. And so Jesus not being very thrilled with that, uh, turns the tables over, he scatters the money, he kicks them all out of the temple along with the animals that they had there and makes some statements, you know, saying the you know, a prophecy that was said that God says, my house shall be called a house of prayer, but you turned it into a den of robbers. That's how some um, translations put it. And so he sort of drove them out, kicked them out of the temple.
2: Well, so, and in particular, and I know this is coming up, so this is a little tease for a future message maybe i don't i don't know i'm now i'm now te- teasing our hand i don't right, know don't do that yeah i don't know but it it may have happened or not happened at this point but uh, i know you point out uh, ed points out in a sermon um that uh the part of the temple that it is was known as the court of nations or um, which ethnicities. is why when jesus
0: ethnicities. right
2: right so it was for non-jewish people ethnically non-jewish people gentiles to be able to come uh, and and worship God and as you said, make sacrifices. So they're selling at higher prices yep. to the e- people of other ethnicities in order to let them worship. And when Jesus says, this is my uh, house of prayer, he says a house of prayer for all nations. Yep. And so there's also that element that goes into what Jesus is doing here. There's a racial component and a religious component as well. All I,
1: I think it's interesting, and, and I have also used this uh, in teaching, so I admit I have used it this way. And now I realize as I've gotten... <laughs> older, done better Bible study. Uh, I've used it as an example of, hey, this is Jesus' anger, and righteous anger is one Mm -hmm. thing, and that kind of thing. But there, in none of the four accounts, does it mention an emotion? True. There is no mention, and Jesus was angry, Mm -hmm. or Jesus, and I would say, having, I have I have been angry many, many times. (laughs) I have also done things violently uh, times earlier in my life, thankfully not in a long time. And there are reactions other people typically Mm -hmm. have to violence and anger that don't appear in this account. Like, for instance, in the John account that you and I both read today, the people who are most affected by Jesus' protest of driving these out, the priests who are running the temple, they don't say to him, hey, go get the guards, arrest this guy who's ended our business, which would have been right. They say to him, if you have the right to do this, Mm -hmm. which now we need to think about that in a minute. Why might they think he might have the right? Yeah, Mm -hmm. Do a miracle to show us you have Mm -hmm. the right. Mm -hmm. Right. Because, again, when you have something mentioned in all four Gospels, which it doesn't happen very much, you do get that all of the writers want us to notice something. Mm -hmm. They want us to notice something. And uh, most scholars, I I don't know, I always say most in case there's one I haven't read, all the scholars I've ever read agree that this is a prophetic event Mm -hmm. that Jesus is doing, and all the writers hearken to that scripture that he says outright, uh, outright, and it appears that the priest recognizes yeah. that he's doing a prophetic event, mm-hmm. and they ask him for a miraculous proof that, uh, yes. that he had the right to do this prophetic event, mm-hmm. not, hey man, what you so angry about? Yeah. Well, hey,
0: why'd you destroy or, all our or stuff? The, and they never accuse him of harming anything no. or anyone.
1: They never well, ever say, well, no, hey, yeah. who's going to pay for that? Who's going to... No.
2: Well, and in other accounts, so so two things to add on to what you said there. One, Matthew and Luke, and I think Mark, but I don't know that for sure. Matthew and Luke, though, for sure, put the event when Jesus is coming into uh, Jerusalem, the, the, you know, whatever, leading up to his death, the week or so leading up to his death. The Jewish leaders were looking for any chance to Mm -hmm. have arrested and killed him if it was some kind of illegal, violent act. This is... This is the chance they... I mean, it yeah. says that in Luke several times that they were looking for any right. chance yes. they could to get him that one. And then also when you talk about the surrounding people's activities, and I don't remember which, I think it's in Matthew, but it may be in other ones as well, that um, I heard a, 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 a female theologian point this out. I'd never heard it before. And she said, notice that the children come to him singing praise songs, uh, and they're they're praising what he did. And she said she goes, I've often heard a lot of male pastors talk about Jesus in this very kind of machismo, you know, angry, Mm -hmm. he's showing people who's boss. And she said, if you've ever seen a very aggressive, violent man enter a room, Children don't run towards him. Yeah. He said the fact that the children felt comfortable to come to him says something about his demeanor when he's doing this mm. that is different than what we think. So I think, one, we're making a lot of assumptions by reading and going, oh, well, we I can imagine what I would do. And I yeah. think the other thing when you talk about the um, prophetic nature of what Jesus is doing, and I heard someone make this, and I think this is a nuanced point, so I don't know, but he talked about a a point with when Jesus... When you read the story of Jesus, the focus should always be Jesus and what is Jesus commanding me to do? Because there are certain things Jesus does in his life that would not be appropriate for us to do. Often we say, whatever Jesus does, I should do. But Jesus accepts worship from people as God. Well, I shouldn't do. I shouldn't accept worship (laughs) as if I'm God. And it may be possible that in this role... And this gets—I don't want to get into this—but theologically, Jesus for has the role of prophet, priest, and king. This may be him taking his role as prophet, which means this isn't something that I'm meant. To, Jesus never does it, and he goes, mm. "Now, when you see wrong, go and do likewise." There are several times he says, "Go and do likewise." I'm not saying this is one of those. Sure. I'm saying, but it's possible that just because Jesus did this, when when the question comes to... Because I know this isn't in the question, but it certainly seems sort of, is it then okay for other people, well, for Christians to engage yeah. well, in... <laughs> I, I
1: take it probably this question came as a result of us saying about Eric Metaxas when somebody said we should shed the last drop of blood, and we said, hey, putting those together and Jesus wouldn't participate. I take it maybe it's coming in response to that. It might not be. And that this is, hey, here's an example of Jesus right. doing what you said he wouldn't do. but. You know, yeah. Go ahead. I'm going. I, I just going through the whole thing, you know, point by point, as far as I can remember. I could have easily brought it in, and if you want to ask more about this, we're certainly willing to go into it further. Jesus takes the time to make his own whip. He doesn't go and grab somebody else's whip, which would take. And he braids it. He braids it, which that's the nature of those kind of whips, and and then he uses the whip to drive the, the animals out. And often, I think people see Jesus beating.
2: Mm-hmm. But anybody
1: that's ever been around livestock and driven li- livestock, which I did when I was younger, you don't have to hit them. the The whip is generally used for the crack, mm-hmm. the sound. And it's right. a sound, and, and animals tend to run away from the sound.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, so we don't we don't seem we don't know that he actually hit them.
0: Yeah. And
1: and as you pointed out, Jason, we were talking about it earlier. There's a series. It appears like he does it all, all in sequence sort of, you know?
0: Yeah. In the in John, it says the very first thing he does is he, he chases people out of the temple. Right. Right. Um, which, you know, again, it, it doesn't lend itself for physical harm or right. violence toward people. He was, he was making, like you said, making a prophetic point. He was, he was clearing out an injustice that he sees. I, the thing I was going to say about this is, um, and again, I, I don't, I don't mean to put motives in people's hearts, um, when they ask these questions, but when I, similar to what Nathan said, most people, what I find is they're, they're looking for some type of justification in Jesus um, to be or do something that they ultimately would like to do or a stance that they would like to take. And what I have often found is in this particular topic, people will point to this moment and say, there it is. There's the example of Jesus using violence in a righteous way to get his agenda done and therefore there's a way for me to do violence mm-hmm. in a righteous and and what I want to say to folks like that is if this is the only place you've got to point to Jesus and and say that he is condoning violence you've got to also deal with all the other places in the life of Jesus where he was offered a chance yeah. to be violent in fact encouraged to do violence or to do coercion of people, and he specifically said no and did not allow his disciples to do it either because we talked about this moment before. When Jesus is arrested and they come to him, his disciples want to take up arms Mm -hmm. against the soldiers. Jesus says... That's not how we do it. We don't do it. In fact, when one does and then strikes one of the soldiers, Jesus stops him, reaches down, heals the man, and rebukes—say,
2: reprimands
0: the—rebukes Peter for doing it, and then walks away with them willingly, even saying, "You guys know that if I wanted to strike you mm-hmm. all down, and I could do that, I'm not doing that. My kingdom's not of this world." takes the cross on his back, walks to the hill, and dies. I can't see any better example of Jesus eschewing violence, <laughs> turning away from violence, than those types of moments. And then, of course, before that, when the disciples are together in the upper room, and, they, and Jesus has and that uh, passage people like to point to, of, do you have a sword? <laughs> and they got, we got one over here, and Jesus goes, that's all we need.
1: That's all we need. Because
0: that was a reason, again, to to be arrested and to give himself that's over right. to mm-hmm. the authorities. This is not, it's clearly that Jesus is not saying, one sword's enough to take on the entire Roman yeah. army. Yes. That is not what he meant.
1: Because if one sword would have done it, No swords would have done it. you would think. If Jesus could have won with one sword, then he didn't need any swords.
0: So my bigger point from saying all of that is if your agenda is to try and attach Jesus to some sort of justifiable violence, you are on very weak ground by pointing to this moment. Yeah, and even in the account in
1: John, you know, when they ask him for... They ask him for a miracle. Jesus says, okay, I'll give you one. Tear this temple down, and in three days I'll rebuild it. So yep. what he says to them is, here's the sign you'll have that I am the prophet that has a right to do this. You guys are going to destroy this temple, me, His body. this body, yep. and I'm going to resurrect it. Now, they didn't understand it. They talk about how long it took to build the temple, and John even mm-hmm. admits... His disciples did not understand that until he was until resurrected he and then they go, "Oh! Yes. That's what he was talking about, that's right?
2: Well, it's because it's the shocking nature of the kingdom and for us as believers <laughs> we 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 are to embody the shocking uh nature of the kingdom. And certainly what is not shocking is that if you push me, I push back. Right. That is not. That's not shocking to anyone. That is. That's you watch little kids. That's I got four little girls, and even among little girls, you know, you don't think of little girls as being mean and aggressive. But I got four of girls. girls. Yeah, they are. Girls
1: are mean. Yeah, they are. They Super mean. mean. I got some.
2: <laughs> but I just saying, you you push one of them gets pushed, the other one's gonna push back. And what happens every time you take your kid inside and you go, "Why did you hit her?" Because she, she hit, me? hit me first. It's not shocking. That's what children do. But there's a nature of what Jesus says. Over and over again, I lay down my life. That's how you'll know that my kingdom is real. I'm laying down my life. It's a totally different way. And for us as believers, that our central goal is is my job to, in every interaction, just be witnesses to people of, hey, there's a way of life that is shocking and it's different, but it's life-giving. And the way of life is this life-giving way of giving your own life uh, and not forcing your way in every situation. Yeah,
1: it is giving up your life. You tear this down, and God will rebuild it. God's going to build it. I will give up my right. I'll give up up my power. I'll allow you to do this. And God, I believe, will ultimately glorify this. Yes. That's the way of Jesus. Yes. Mm -hmm. And it's beautiful. Did that answer that? I, I, I think so. So if the
2: short he, answer is no. Jesus was not doing something
1: violent. We don't have. I mean, it's not clearly stated. It's certainly no. not. Yeah. Clearly the question stated. was,
0: was it a violent protest? I would say protest. It was yes. a protest. Yeah,
1: protest. But but they <clears> don't <throat> react as if he was violent. There are no soldiers called. He is not arrested. He. We don't hear them saying, "Why did you he hit?" Obviously, that guy?
0: didn't break any laws. Right. Right. So,
2: so I I think it's safe to say the evidence points to
0: no. Yeah. I, I just, I just want to make the point again, and I, I know I said it earlier. I just, I don't think it's wise to use any of these things to try to attach justification of violence onto Jesus as a way to somehow justify yourself.
2: Certainly, and, when there are clear commands that contradict that idea, when Jesus sure, says,
0: sure. "Love your enemy and turn the I'm other cheek." I'm going to and... leave
1: you guys with an idea: love your enemy. Yeah. Oh, well, I think he meant if I need to, yes. I don't yeah, have
0: or, to. And and I, and we we've. And there's this book that just got written um, that Is Jesus... Was Jesus really serious about the sermon? I don't know the title, but That's it. it. Was is, Jesus serious? Well, yeah. Was Jesus really serious? And he takes the Sermon on the Mount. And that, that statement when Jesus says, turn the other cheek, we have so allegorized mm-hmm. that to the point where we say, well, he couldn't have meant that I'm just supposed to take violence without responding in kind. Yeah, he did
1: well it's sort of his ex- i mean then he exemplifies he does it and then he does he it. does it and we go well he I still don't think he meant for me to do it and then all of his <laughs> disciples do it yeah and yeah. Then we're like well i still don't think he meant for me <coughs> well and i do to think, do it
2: i do think when you talk about just the the counterintuitive way of the kingdom a lot of theologians talk about this idea of the third way of jesus and, and the verse you just Rep that you're talking about is such a clear example of this in that there are, we think there are always two options on the table. Someone strikes me on the cheek, I either push back mm-hmm. or I just take it and I say nothing about it. But what Jesus says in Matthew 5 is, if someone uses their right hand to strike you on your right cheek, the only way for me to use my right hand to strike someone I'm in front of on the right cheek is to backhanded slap. It's a very demeaning, dehumanizing mm-hmm. way and what Jesus is saying here is you turn the other cheek, and he's referring to this third way of it's a protest saying, I'm not going to fight you. Yeah. I know you want me to fight, but I'm also not just taking this. If you, wanna, if you want to attack me, you're going to have to treat me like I'm a person. Yeah, you can uh-huh. say,
1: well, it seems like a coward. Well, give that a shot and see how cowardly you feel. Oh, it's going to take a tremendous amount of of Holy Spirit-inspired oh, yes. courage yes. to be and, willing to give up your right.
2: And discipline, because it is a natural response. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's a disciplined response.
1: Yeah, that's the self-discipline that the Holy Spirit will give you. It's one of the fruit of the Spirit.
2: Have you guys seen the um, thing? Because I remember teaching this to, to students maybe two or three years ago, and there's a video of a guy who teaches about bullying. Um, he's like he's an, he's not teaching bullies how to be better bullies. <laughs> he's an anti-bullying guy, and, but his whole thing is he brings up a teenage girl who I don't know if he picked her cuz he thought she'd be a good bully but she's mean man she's good at this and he basically says
1: girls are mean
2: <laughs> he, he basically does this uh back and forth with her and maybe if we can find it we'll put it in the in the description but where he says I want you to be mean to me uh say as many mean things you can and if you can keep saying for 5 minutes if you can keep saying mean and hateful things to me I'll give you 20 bucks and so the first time he has her go and he tries to, he's like no you're stupid you know you're stupid no you're stupid no and they're going back and forth and he just goes on and so he gives her the 20 bucks and then the next time he says i'll give you another 20 bucks if you can do it and she starts going you know you're stupid and he goes yeah i wish i was as smart as you and she's like well yeah i'm smart because you're an idiot And he's like i know my life's you know i'm not perfect and i try to do things better and within 30 to 40 seconds she was running out of things to say as he complimented her and he was saying the point that he's getting to is there is something in this third way of Jesus. It does cut the feet up because the, what anyone who's attacking you wants is for you to fight, fight back. And when you choose to say, I'm going to do this other way, there is a disarming way of it. Now, I know that's not a physical confrontation, and it's a different deal. But, but it's a I, principle. Yes, I think there's a principle yeah. to the loving third way of Jesus. It's counterintuitive, yeah. but there are even effective ways. So I just think even in all of these conversations to not get ourselves into the active way is fight back, and the pat. you just got to be passive and just take it and lay down and whatever they do. There is this other option that Jesus offers us to be creative and to be loving. And
0: being a witness to the love yes. of God in yeah. the midst of that. So that yep. is the courageous way.
1: Yes. So. Yes.
0: All right, uh, we got two more questions. I think we're going to be able to get through them before we run out of time. Good for us. I'm going to do the quick one first because this is pretty quick. Quick. Uh, Listener wants to know, what is the difference between an apostle and a disciple?
1: That should be quick.
0: It should be, and and, and that's a great question because I have, in years past, noticed that there are people who will sometimes use those words interchangeably, uh, not realizing that there is a distinction there. Sure. So I was always taught that apostle— is someone who was with Jesus a witness of the resurrection, someone who witnessed the life of Jesus, or in the case of Paul, saw him resurrected. Disciple is simply just a follower of Jesus. Is that That's a what I was
1: also taught?
2: I, I, I all of that, but also that apostle by, by its nature means someone who sent. Yeah, it's a it's yes. a different like a, a <laughs> disciple is a student or an apprentice. Mm. And then the Apostle, because I do think, depending on when you go, you know, Mary Magdalene is referred to as like the Apostle to the Apostles. That's right. Because she's the one that was sent to, Jesus sends her to mm-hmm. tell the Apostles the good news. She
0: was the very first Apostle.
2: Very first Apostle, Let's right. Be clear on that. Junia is referred to as that, and we don't necessarily even know that she was necessarily with Jesus, but she's sent, right, mm-hmm. to tell the well, good news. Well, in the so. book
1: of Ephesians, I think, you know, I was taught, and this is, I you know, I don't know why I was taught this, but this is what I was taught and still in my mind, that there are the 12, and then Judas, you know, killed himself and gave up his spot, and then they appoint Matthias mm-hmm. to take his spot. So they have 12, which is interesting. They thought they needed to have 12, which I think I know why. Yeah, Because it yeah. represents it's the 12. The symbolic nature. 12, 12 tribes, the whole thing. Yeah. So those were different uh, than other apostles. But Paul makes reference... Mm-hmm. In the book of Ephesians, that there are apostles that's right yes. and, and that there's a gift there's a there's a gift of apostleship, of apostleship which means you know you're you're sent to start i have always been told it's yes. a gift of the the starting the founding of something the apostles were the foundation of the church the apostles have uh you know church planners we right. tend to talk of in our world church planning world as they're apostles they're out they're being sent to start something mm-hmm. right. and uh you know that kind of thing so But but disciples are anybody who is learning from Jesus how to do every part of their life.
2: And I think in in the distinction, if you're asking within the Bible why sometimes they're called disciples, it is chronological, right? Sure. Like oh yeah yeah yeah. That's they're right. disciples, and I think that goes to to uh, Jason's point there of in within the scriptures when you read in the Gospels, I think almost entirely in the Gospels
1: they're referred to until the point where he you know he has the prayer mm-hmm. and then he decides who he will call to himself and then he right. calls them out from the others. So right. you could
0: say that. All apostles are disciples, but not all disciples are apostles.
1: That's a good mm, saying, That's Jason. good. That's Let's a really cut
0: good that saying. there. Bam, I just, right I just there. came up with that. Bam. All
2: right. Good job. That's why he gets paid this
0: the, me, the medium Same amount, the medium amount of bucks. I don't know how many <laughs> bucks. <laughs> all right. Last question. And uh, this came from uh, our discussion a while back, several weeks ago, about prayer. We were talking about how prayer works and all the ins and outs of prayer. You can go back and watch that. But this person wanted us to follow up that discussion, and their question was, where does my responsibility begin, even though I know, quote-unquote, God's got it, and, and they're referring to, you know, we pray and we turn things over to God, but then there's this part that I have a responsibility to do, because they they want us to kind of help make a distinction in that line, and how do I address this with some fellow Christians I know um, who don't necessarily take that uh, that belief and without disregarding what they believe, so... So let's talk about the distinction between I pray and I'll release it to God, but then I have some part to play in that as well. Is there a clear way to draw a line on that, or is there a rule that you sort of live by on that?
1: I live by and now, not always, haven't done this well. I try to think of it as a boundary discussion of... um, I have some things that are I'm capable of and fall within my responsibility. And until God tells me that he's going to take care of things in my responsibility, they are my responsibility. Mm. The good thing about having God as my father is he is willing to help me with things that are in my boundary. If I if I want that to happen, if I say, hey, you know, I'm gonna to have to have a conversation, it's mine to have. I'm not expecting you to telepathically communicate with this other person, but I know it's going to be difficult, and I need your strength to say things well and lovingly and patiently. I have experienced the Holy Spirit giving me strength in those many minutes, even though the conversation is still my responsibility. Yeah, right. Now, on the other side of that, and I had, it took me a while and I did not do this as well with my oldest child cuz as I said to him I didn't have a practice kid mm-hmm. and there is it there's that thing of my responsibility and my child's responsibility and God's involved in that and there were times as a parent that I wanted to be able to pray things for my kid that God would make my kid do, Mm. but God would have to override their responsibility. Yeah. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah, I do. And so I eventually learned, my first child helped me learn that by me doing it poorly, that what I wanted to have was influence. I wanted to try to influence that, and that every time I tried to run over into their boundary, I lost influence. And... I can't make God do nothing, Hmm. and what God has decided is He's decided He won't make us do Mm -hmm. anything, so no matter how much I ask Him, I can't ask Him to make my kid do it. Now, that may not be what they're talking about. So finally in my life, and I was just talking about somebody this, I think last night in an email... I have the phrase I use is I try to offer my best advice to people and then I lovingly trust them to the Holy Spirit's care. Mm-hmm. I, I believe that before, before you become a follower of Christ, the Holy Spirit's at work on you. Jesus says he's the one that brings you to repentance. I believe once you're a follower of Christ, he works from the inside on you. So I can try my best and I can pray for the person to see how wise God is, how good his love is and I'll try to influence but my boundary stops at the edge of influence I can't control. Hmm. I think that's And I'm better at that than I used to be. Yeah.
2: I think that's I think it's good. I think boundary is a good way to talk about it too. Um I like that so I'll I'll adopt that language too cuz that's what I do. I adopt. And so uh <laughs> Uh, Nathan, the adopter. Nathan so, uh, just
1: adopted some children. Yeah, we like three to girls celebrate that, right. that on the podcast. That's the adoption right. is final big, for all of the others in here. the podcast all three of my land. girls are now adopted. Congratulations. Yep. Right. I have also adopted, though, though not legally. They, they, I already had adopted them. Gotcha. All right. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, as, as grandpa. Papa.
2: <laughs> so, um, so I think with the boundary thing, what's very helpful is our role in every situation is to learn how to ask well. Um, is is with God, I'm asking, there tends to be a way in prayer that I'm trying to uh, manipulate God, and I'm trying to control God, and I'm trying to move, maneuver Him, as you said. And I even think with influence, that's a good way of even seeing our relationship, not just with that, but with God, is God yes. allows me to influence Him. There he are does. several occasions in the Bible where through prayer, God's having a conversation, and He's like... He's like okay, and someone comes back, and they're like, "Well, what about this?" Like, there's the one with Moses, where God's just fed up. He's like, "I'm gonna be, I'm gonna be done with this." And God's like, "Well, what if I can find 80 people that are, you know, good and godly?" He's like, "Okay," and he's like, "Okay, what if I can find 50?" And God's like, "All right, I'm good with 50." He's like, "What if I can find 10?" And Get God's them down like, to
1: 10. Yeah, and God's like, "Oh, okay." Fine. Turns out he couldn't find even those. Yeah, no,
2: but God's like, "Sure, let's." You know, there's this influencing, asking kind of relationship, and with other people is the same. So when you ask about. Boundary is a good way of saying it is I have things I can control and I should control, right? I should be in control of my behavior and my thoughts and my emotions and my words and those things that belong to me. But everything else is me asking, right?
1: So with the little, yeah. there's a little catchphrase. We have a business nearby here that the whole pandemic is saying faith, not fear, prayer, not blah, blah, blah. And those little catchphrases, and what was there? Something about God's got God's it. God's got it. Yeah, I have people say that to me too. I believe God has everything that God is supposed he to He's got do. everything. And I yes. totally <laughs> trust that. He there's no balls dropping on God's side. Right. Often I am trying to take balls that should be in my court and going, God, catch this. And he's yeah. like, <laughs> Sure, <laughs> yeah. not mine. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> you know? And he might help me with it, mm-hmm. but I can't give up my responsibility. With a slogan of God's got it. If it's clearly in my boundary. Now, the downside of that is I can't convince Jason that something that is in my boundary also is in his boundary. Mm -hmm. Because Jason's a full functioning human being who has the right to be wrong. Well, and I think
2: that. Like, thank you. As well, I think that even goes to the end of the question. Isn't it something at the end of the question about how do I respect their beliefs or?
0: Yeah, and and I'll just say I, I I spoke to the person who sent us this question. Okay, and and apparently they have some people maybe in their family or some friends that theirs that that really are they'd like to take that approach It's like well I prayed about it God's got it done and his thing was well no there is, there is some responsibility that you and I and I would just say to you. Um, you know, if if that really was how God had chosen to operate with the human race, then the Bible would basically be about four words long <laughs> yeah. because, you know, you just, you just, oh, God's got it, and then you just move on, and whatever happens, happens. Apparently, obviously, uh, God is a God who longs to cooperate with his people yeah. to accomplish his purposes in this world. We talk about it here all the time it's it's a it's a it's a relationship that I have with him, and so I do what's in my boundary, and God provides the grace and the power and everything that I need to do that and then what's so great about it is is when things begin to happen in this world, people will stand back and see through your weakness, God being strong, God gets. God gets glory through that, mm-hmm. that's how he's chosen to work with us yes. because that's what love does, and the God yeah. you serve is love. That's right. Rather than just this omnipotent, you know, he is omnipotent, but just taking power over everything and every motive and everyone and just making things happen by force, that's not the loving thing to do, and so therefore he's, he's chosen partnership over yes. being a, a dictator.
1: Which is why Jesus asked us to pray, his kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And the way that I love the way Dallas would pray that was, Dallas would always start with, you know, your loving rule, may it be done first in me. So in my boundary, help me to make sure your kingdom is being done in my boundaries. And then I want to try to help bring that into all the boundaries that Mm -hmm. are on the earth. But I don't have the capability to enforce that. And you'll notice the prayer is not God enforcing it even in my boundary. No. Mm-hmm. I get to ask for it to happen in my boundary.
2: Yeah. And I think that's the I think that's the big part is just learning to ask. And when it comes to respecting someone else's belief and we miss this, that's an ask too. Mm-hmm. That's a that's, right. that's a, hey, I really want you to consider a different viewpoint. I really, it would mean a lot to me if you considered a different viewpoint and then leaving it at that, doing my best job within my boundary to clearly articulate my point of view, right? Uh, Even I would say for people who are, you're a believer and this person's a non-believer and you so badly and you know, oh, God wants them to come to faith. And we do so bad, any form, and I'll just say, any form of manipulation you try and take in that tactic is not the way God uh, approaches us. God, this was God's way of winning you over. He died. That yeah. was his way of winning mm-hmm. you over. And he said, I, I'm, I'm offering myself, and, and I'm, I'm calling you to it. And it was this clear, that was the clearest articulation of his love. So he goes, what's the clearest way I can show you that I love you and that you should, you should come to be with me, knowing so many of us never would.
1: Well, I know this for sure. I have never had someone disrespect me or something I hold dear that has any influence on me. Sure. If, you, if I have some... They may some,
2: have, and then they lost
1: it. That, oh, yeah. You yeah. want to lose influence from me? Be disrespectful to me and the things that I just told you I really believe. Mm-hmm. And you can talk to me respectfully about what I believe but if you if you treat me disrespectfully I gain influence by respecting you mm-hmm. I gain influence by loving you, mm-hmm. and there are things more important than getting you to do what i want to want you to do
2: yes, ultimately, as Jason articulated, which is me loving you, and yes. that ultimately what what God's will ultimately is that love would be done. And the best way I can do that in any situation is to not force myself or my will or my ideas, even if they're the, even if they're God's ideas, upon another person. That is not what love looks like. And so, His kingdom comes on earth, and His will is done on earth when I love another person. I, just,
1: I want to just make this one thing. Justin, this may be s- silly to people. I want to just say we're not giving parenting advice for toddlers.
0: Oh sure, right. is,
1: <laughs> this, I don't know who you're talking about, but if you're talking about your two year old doesn't want to eat and you let them go on a hunger sp- strike because right. you respect their, that is not. We're not at that. Their their rational ability is not yeah. there yet. Well, you're I'm planning, not. I don't. I'm sure. I'm guessing that's not who you're talking about. But I people tend to go blanket. I'm not saying. Right. <laughs> we're not giving parent advice for. for well, tomorrow. at
2: that point, and and this is true for uh, certain doctors in certain cases when you take a child who can't rationally think at that age, when they cannot rationally think they become part of your boundary. Cause God has oh, given you the responsibility absolutely. for a baby. You can't look at a baby and go, well, if they want to eat, right. like God mm. goes, no, you need to kind of make the decision that they need to eat. They, they become within your boundary that happens in certain, you know, you just know that even with people like power of attorney and well, things and of that like, nature, I get, I can't make decisions, but at some point, it becomes my responsibility to make decisions for this other person.
1: Yeah. And so if I have a person currently, let's just say in the pandemic, who I'm a person that really uh, is trying to be respectful, and I wear a mask, and everyone in my house is socially, we're trying to social distance, and you are very clearly a person who... You you know, you're hugging on everybody, you're not wearing masks, you're going around and even when you know people are COVID, you don't believe any of that, and then you want to live in my house,
2: mm-hmm.
1: um, you stepped into my boundary. Yeah. Well, and I respectfully will say to you, man, I I mean, you can believe whatever you want to. You can hang out with those people if you want to, but my boundary starts at that door. Yes.
0: Yeah. And
1: I'm not gonna be able to honor Mm-hmm. I don't. You may be right, and I may be wrong. But this this domain is within my control. Yeah. and
2: that's not dishonoring to someone else's no. belief. I get they may be, they may argue that it is, and it's not any time. But one thing I remember hearing, and we've talked about Dr. Henry Cloud, who talks a lot about it, is boundaries are never aggressive. Fences, by their name, it's not an aggressive thing. When I say, "Hey, that thing belongs in my property." Uh, that's not aggressive. Saying the word no is not aggressive, right? And so when someone comes and goes, well, it hurts me that you won't let me come in your house without a mask on. I understand that you have gotten hurt when you run into a fence, you get hurt. Yeah. Because I've I've made clear this is what I, in my boundary, am allowing to happen, uh, and I'm asking you to come in line. But if you don't, that's okay, and we can still be friends, and I can still love you but you can't cross this fence.
1: Yeah, I'll just keep, every time you come close to me, I'll just keep backing up. Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I do that anyway. <laughs> me too. All right, I'm, uh, I'm out of drink, so we're calling it. All no, right, we're done. we're done for the day. So, and, and, I, and I normally preview uh, next week's questions. I don't have any. So uh we need some. We need some more. So y'all send us some more questions. We will answer them. So next week, I'm going to take my last swig. We'll see y'all next time. Bye.